Welcome to the Trap Shooters United podcast. I am your host and owner, Joe Brumfield. I created this to help share, showcase, and support this amazing sport by talking to shooters, vendors, parents, and companies. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Trap Shooters United or like us on Facebook. This episode is fueled by Bioki, high-quality ammunition manufactured right in the heart of America with locations in Ozark, Missouri and Little Rock, Arkansas. I choose Fioki because it's loaded in the USA and has extremely light recoil while still crushing targets. But you made me think it to yourself, Joe, why should I believe you? You're just a mediocre weekend shooter. And you know what? Point taken. Let me find someone with a lot more credibility. Hey everyone, this is Shelby Skaggs, ATA All-American, Oklahoma Trap Shooting Hall of Fame member. And our sport, being consistent, is the key to success. Fioki's line of shotgun ammunition is second to none in this regard. Proven by my 772 straight in the singles competition during the 2022 Grand American, experience the Fioki difference. If you're like me, customer service is at the top of the list when it comes to buying anything. Combine that with the lowest prices and highest trade-in values, Michael Gooch with Indiana Gun Club is without question the number one choice for your next gun. With one of the largest new and used inventory selections in the country, Indiana Gun Club will have the right gun for you. If you're looking to buy your first competition gun, upgrade out of your current gun, or just simply wanting to add to your collection, Michael Gooch provides a five-star experience every step of the way. Give Michael a call at 317-502-2675 or send an email to gotgunguy43 at yahoo.com. I've personally purchased two guns from Michael and I guarantee you're going to be treated right. Welcome to episode 45 of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Joining me today is a husband and wife shooting duo from Washington State. And actually, they were the 2022 Grand American Husband and Wife Champions, Tina and TJ Maine. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to start this off first. I'll do a little bit of an introduction for you. And then uh, I'll I'll let you guys uh, each individually kind of introduce yourselves. So I'll start ladies first. Um, Tina, she's a lady uh, second team All-American uh, for both the ATA and she's a PITA lady all-star first team. Um, the ATA and PITA Washington State team, uh, 2023 Kansas State non-resident lady two champion in singles, high all-around and the HOA. And she's a 2019 Washington State singles champion. Tina, if you could uh, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, um, kind of what you do professionally for work, and then if you have any other hobbies besides shooting. Uh, well, I've lived in Moses Lake my whole life. Uh, I work for Grant. It's a, actually a utility district, the same one that TJ works for. And I um, am a financial analyst for the Treasury Department. I um, have been trap shooting for about, I guess TJ and I talk about this often, but eight years. I, I found trap um, in my late 40s. Um, after the loss of my son, I was looking for something that took me away from the normal group of people. And I was really challenging myself to do something different because I really seen the value in life. And I wanted to risk something. So I decided to take up guns. <laughs> and um, from the first day, 
it was the perfect environment for me. Uh, people that trap shoot are very focused and that allowed me to move away from grief and more towards something that required my attention. So I grew from there and I haven't looked back. Uh, so I've been doing competitive trap shooting for about seven years, but really hit it hard with TJ. Uh, he, he came in as the experienced piece. So that really opened the doors for me. Awesome. Now, how did, did you guys meet at work then? No, we, we met the tra- at Trap. We just happened to work in the same company. Um, okay. So it, it was there. And I didn't really care for him at first. But <laughs> but with time, yeah. uh, getting to know him, his heart is big. So he, he became my friend first. He just had to turn on the charm. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Now, TJ, a little introduction about him. He's the Open First Team All-American, uh, PITA All-Star, AAA, 27 AAA shooter, um, both on the ATA and PITA Washington State teams, um, seven-time Washington State champion, uh, three of which are doubles, uh, three high all-arounds, and one high overall. TJ, do you want to kind of do the same thing? You could do a little bit of introduction about yourself and where you grew up and kind of what you do for work as well? Sure. Uh, grew up here in Mosul Lake um, for most of my life. Uh, had several different jobs and things like that. Uh, went to Illinois for my apprenticeship uh, to be a lineman. And I, journey, I was fortunate enough to journey out there and then come back and had a job at a separate utility that is 40 miles down the road and then moved over to Grant County. Um, always shot in FFA and things like that when I was in high school, uh, but I didn't know anything about registered shooting. And then a, uh, a lovely man of mine, lovely friend of mine from uh, here, who now lives in Pennsylvania, started me in registered shooting when I was 20, 1997 anyway, I registered my first targets. And I shot a lot that first year and then it dwindled down and things, you know, in life had to figure out and find a way to pay for it all. And then I fortunate enough to get a great career and moved on to that. And now shooting has taken off and uh, yeah, I love every minute of it. I get to do it. I, I feel lucky every day that I get to do it with Tina. Um, you know, so many people don't share a heavy passion in the same uh, place that we do. Um, it gets the conversations get a little heated sometimes, but other than that, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, trying to just get better, and it, it's been a lot of it's been a long road, but so much fun. It's been a lot of fun. Now, do you when you guys are at work? I'm assuming you're out. As a lineman doing something, Tina, you're probably more indoors doing the financial work. Do you guys see each other at all at work or is it mainly just you're on your own kind of schedules and meet up at home? We don't we don't see each other at work at very rarely. Um, if I have to go over to the building to get a piece of paperwork or something that might be required for the day. But uh, generally, we uh, part ways at 530 in the morning and we don't see each other till. Uh, five o'clock at night. We work. I work ten-hour days, 
Um, so does she. Uh, but that's if, you know, somebody doesn't do something foolish or some a power outage comes in. Sometimes she may not see me for a couple of days. It's true. <laughs> now, the let's do a little bit of recap of the 2022 grand. I know you guys both shot really well there. Um, I was, you know, when during the grand, I was at home kind of tracking all the scores and stuff. And your your two names were both kind of up at the up at the top pretty much every event. Can you give a little bit of a recap of the 2022 grand, just some highlights and then kind of go into where you guys have shot so far this year? I'm only going to talk in just a second and I'll let TJ talk, but I will tell you that TJ and I really did not travel beyond Montana to trap shoot until COVID hit. And that's when our world of trap shooting opened up. And so we decided we would go to the Grand. Was that 2022? No, that was 2021. 2021, after we had kind of ventured out to 2020. And um, that, so for us, it's been... It's been a very eye-opening experience to travel east and um, the amount of trap shooters out there, it just breathes life into trap shooting. And it's really something that we've expressed in this area because trap shooting is not as strong as it is in the east, but we're hoping that we can share that with other people and bring them into the, the sport as well. But anyway, but going on to the grand, I will let TJ talk on behalf of that. <laughs> uh. Well, the Grand was uh, more than I, I actually went into it with no expectations. Uh, it was our second time there. Of course, I always use the first time I go to shoot somewhere as a learning curve. And I, that means I, I don't rule it out. Even if I perform well or poorly there, I always kind of just take it as a learning curve. Um, so the first experience was awesome. You know, I, I had some good scores. Tina did as well. Uh, then this year going into it i really just wanted to go there and knowing that when i leave there win or lose that i did my best that i could do in 2022 yeah i i personally had had some of my best i i uh, was fortunate enough to break 200 straight in the doubles i uh, i think if i'm correct i went 898 in the singles um, which was huge for me. I mean, it's not a it's not a ring wearing. I did get in the shoot off for the for the championship for the clay target championships. I I'm colorblind, so shooting at night is a big hamper for me. And I was proud of myself to make it as far as I did, which uh, I think I went 75, and then I missed one in the either the third or fourth box. I went through two sets of fifth. Um, yep. But again, a learning curve. We don't shoot under the lights out here. We don't have that opportunity. Um, uh, to Tina and I signed that uh, we went into the trophy room and and this the nice people in the trophy room asked us if we were going to sign up for the husband and wife uh, uh, event and I, we didn't know anything about it I'm like yeah sure let's do it I'm like, what the heck we got what do we got to lose and then uh, it was fortunate enough that we both had a banner day and uh, it was you know we don't there's so many talented people out there. Yeah, husband and wife teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt really fortunate. I couldn't believe it. I looked at her. She looked at me, and we were, we, were, we shook each other's hand. Because we're teammates. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, it was uh, it was. I mean, it's an honor. It, it really is to uh, just to be able to compete with those people. Uh, the, the Grand American is amazing because no matter. I'm sure you see more shooters than we do a year, but. 
you know, there's from nine to ninety. I mean, I've seen people shoot with one arm because they oh, yeah. they only have one arm or one eye or or in a wheelchair or, or any kind of thing that they need, but it can be done, and that's what always amazes us. And when you go to the Grand American, it is a huge mixing pot of all that. Everybody comes to for that. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, what did you guys did you guys uh, break a three ninety eight or four hundred? I I would assume. I, I, I'm going to say that I think I had a 199 and I think Pina had a 198. Yeah. Okay. 397. Yeah. 397. Yeah. Of course, my memory is not what it used to be. I'm just speculating, but it was, it was a great day for both of us. And we were, you know, we obviously missing some, you know, at any other event you miss one, you're shooting for second place at at best. Yeah. uh, Especially at the Grand of all places, you know. Right. Well, the first couple of days we were there, I I looked at TJ like you guys had bigger targets than what we're used to because they're just beautiful and they're just gigantic and floating, and that's what we share, you know, back here because you got to be on your horse here because they're going to go and they're flat. And so anyway, th- for us, we have to slow down and really allow the target to present itself. And learning that was like TJ talking about the first year we were there. It's, you know, for me more because he'll, he'll, he sees the target change where I'm still learning to read the targets. And Mm -hmm. so he, he gives me that feedback and that helps. So for sure. Did you guys fly to Sparta or did you take the camper or drive or? (laughs) We, we, was that the year? No. Well, no, that was it. I don't. We were, we're we're pausing because we went to Arizona one year, and on our way home, we got a hundred and seventy some car pileup, and totaled our truck, and we had our big uh, fifth wheel on there. So, but anyway, we we drive, <laughs> and we stay at Airbnb. And um, okay, I think the Airbnb I picked for us that year was like an hour away. <laughs> I didn't know it. So we 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 learned a lot that year. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think most places, if you don't book early, like most places are going to be about an hour away. And I booked mine late. I, I only I went two days last year and the Airbnb I that I booked was above a karate studio. It like took me forever to even find it. I'm like, there's just like little white door. But it was it was super nice. But it was like an hour away. And yeah. there was like nothing around as far as food or anything. Luckily, I found a Pizza Hut, but yeah, it's yeah. just it's just crazy. Great, great experiences for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, we we drive a lot um, because of some unfortunate material availability. You know, uh, we know what we like to shoot and what we what we have. It's just that you can't always find it everywhere. Um, we flew to Wisconsin just because of time crunch with vacation. But yeah, we try to drive to the Grand because of it, because of the ease of having our own stuff around us because it's such a long shoot. Um, you know, we drive to Tucson, we, we you know, Wyoming everywhere, it, just so we can have our stuff and our logistics with us and not have to go searching for it. Now, how many days does it take for you guys to drive from Washington to Sparta? Is it three days? I imagine. Uh, no, it, it is solid 38 hours. And oh, wow. uh, 
We travel very well together. Um, it is go as far as we can, sleep for two hours in the truck, and keep on getting. And I, I don't like driving up and having to jump out and shoot. I need a day to relax. And even at a local shoot that's only three or four hours away, I still would prefer to go stay the night somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Can you guys go into a little bit of a, a comparison between like an ATA registered shoot versus a PITA shoot? I, being in Indiana, I have no idea. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably very similar, but is there any changes kind of between the two? Uh, so it is all American trap. I mean, it's just, you know, the American trap discipline. Um, there has, as of late, they've been changing some rules. They have, uh, I shouldn't say changing rules. Some differences were that uh, at night, and I hopefully I, anybody that's listening from the PITA, if I misspeak, you can let me know. Uh, but at 96 wasn't an automatic punch uh, for yardage, and uh, you know, not a guaranteed punch, I should say. Um, the biggest one that uh, is a big change for people is that when you're shooting doubles and you're the leadoff, Every time you change posts as a leadoff, you get to see a pair of targets. So you don't have to do, I would say, the guesswork. And I, I think they did that to make get people to fill the squad, you know. So, you know, a lot of people don't like to shoot leadoff for doubles, um, but they do it. Uh, a good friend of ours shoots leadoff for doubles all the time, and he's amazing at it. Um, me, I shoot post five because I'm not. So... Yeah, I shoot post. I like post five too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as that goes, everything else is 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 the same. You know, they run your class on a on an average. You know, your yardage is what it is. They have a thousand target eval evaluation if you're up for a reduction. Um, uh, the the here in Washington State, the PITA seems to be a little stronger than the ATA. Uh, I don't know if just because there's more people that predominantly live on the coast than here. And it has a lot to do with timing. I mean, here we're in a huge agricultural area and in the heat of the summer, they're working and, you know, there's not so much of it over there. They, uh, as far as, you know, the rules go, it's much the same. It, you know, a, a chip target's a broke target, a, a loss is a loss. Um, you know, the I think right down to the shells and everything is pretty much the same. Purely just kind of off of region. Um, do is is there a PITA grand? Yes, there is. It's uh, be the last week in July, I think, uh, is usually when they have it. Um, it's pretty big, and it's it's large. I mean, it, the PITA. I know they had some. I think they threw some PITA targets in New York or something at one time. I don't know if they're still doing that, but it, it covers most the most of the western part of the United States has a PITA organization. Arizona has it, uh, Colorado, Utah, Idaho. Uh, it has not got into Montana yet. I wish it would. Um, it's it's all trap shooting. That's why we're so passionate about shooting PITA as well. Um, we have. I would say slacked off on it a little bit just because of the time crunch and trying to achieve some ATA goals. Mm -hmm. uh, but we still shoot a multiplex, which is a basically like the big 50 for the ATA. We shoot that at, to support the club. 
Uh, we, we really believe it's just trap shooting. I, I don't care what name it is that's on it. You know, we try to do our best to put ourselves on, on both sheets. Yep. Now, uh, like the all stars, for example, is that the, the point system for that? Does it, does it mirror the all American kind of points pretty closely or how does that work? Uh, yeah, it's I don't it's on an average of all your targets, I think, and you have to shoot so many states and you have to shoot the high overall, the high all around at what they would call uh, a major, mm-hmm. uh, which would be like they have a uh, fall classic, which is much like a zone shoot. Uh, and so you, you have to go shoot in a couple of different states and you have to shoot the high all around targets, I believe at the state shoots and then also at the grand or major. So you have to have so many shoots and I'm not sure on what the count is and so many targets, but yeah, it mirrors it, but, um, it's more on an average, not a point system. You just have to have competed at, so you can't just go to your home club and just shoot all you want basically and have it now so um which moves you around a great group of people uh love love their uh their personalities their it's their mentalities are are great it's it is they are like us they love trap shooting you know much like everybody else that's out there that does the game that truly feels passionate about it yeah absolutely uh, Tina, can we kind of go into your gun progressions? What did you start shooting with and then kind of go into where you went from your first gun all the way to what you're shooting now? I don't even know what I showed up with. So we'll just say it was a very mean, mean mule, the first gun that I shot. <laughs> and then I moved on to a less mean mule and it was a, a, the BT-99, which you know, it was a little tough on me, but I, I think that's just not understanding gun fit, gun dynamics. And um, I shot that for probably a year and it was, it's a little micro, like a micro, right? Yeah. It was a BT-99 micro minus. Yep. Sorry, we have a fly and he's being annoying. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, and then I, I shot some good scores with it though. You know, those brownies are, party in fact we we even have it again we sold it for a youngster and then they sold it back for our youngster and so it's, it's a great gun but then i moved on to a synergy um a browning synergy for just a short time and when i got with tj it became yeah you really need a gun that will fit you if this is something you're going to commit to doing so got a Kohler and um that was like driving a corvette after driving a, I don't know, I don't even want to mention a car, I could offend somebody, but anyway, so um, getting that, that was great, but then we went on to even get a better fit, and we went to Winnick and got a a custom-made stock, and I'm currently waiting for a... Uh, The recall system from Winnick. Yep. So I I went and... um, did that in Arizona and um, they're going to, they're building that. So maybe I'll start it next year. 
yep. you know, a different, but I, I didn't really need it. It just became, if I'm doing this as much as I am, I have, you know, bad disc in my neck. It would be just something to take a little bit of that excess off so well, that's my gun progression especially like people think okay well i need a, a recoil reduction device because i'm like recoil sensitive which i don't think is the issue i think a lot of folks prefer it for the longevity like when you're shooting the high overalls like a thousand targets 1100 targets you know five days in a row that the less amount of recoil you take, the less tired you're going to be on that Saturday and Sunday, you know, when it comes down to the end. You hit it right on the head. That was our reason for the decision. It's we go for two weeks and we'll shoot 200 targets a day or 300 targets a day, depending on the event. And, you know, after two weeks, you know, if, if it's, it's just your body's just getting hammered, but not, I say hammered, that sounds like it's really bad, but it's not. But I mean, like you, exactly what you said, well said. And that was the reason for it. Gotcha. Now, TJ, what about you? What are you? What are your progressions? What did you start with? Uh, well, so I started out uh, shooting trap in the FFA with a, a Browning BPS three and a half inch pump shotgun. Uh, didn't know any like that. Didn't know anything about a specific type gun. So did shot that forever, and then I started shooting a league, and I actually had a. Uh, a friend of mine that started me had a Winchester Classic Doubles combo. And he, it was 34 32s, and it was the ATA Hall of Fame gun. And it happened to actually even be the Washington game. So they gun, they made it for all 50 states and two provinces. So I had that. I shot that gun all that year. And uh, just tell telling myself I got so burnt out on shooting that year because I shot so much that I sold it that fall <laughs> and uh, bought a 10 gauge to go shoot ducks and geese with. So uh, it wasn't really the best move, but anyways, uh, so from there I went on, I, I had a Parazi MX eight. I've had a Ludic uh, actually made the 27 yard line with the Ludic mono gun that I had bought. Um, and then after that, I had a Parazi MX-8 for a little while, uh, just didn't get along with it. Then I went into my apprenticeship, uh, went to local gun club, got to shopping around, and a guy had a BT-99 Plus. That was at a very reasonable price, so I bought it. Um, still have it to this day and still cherish it. Uh, broke a lot of targets with that. Um, then... I uh, came into a, a, enough money to buy a Caesar Garini combo, shot great scores with that gun, just didn't ever fall in love with it. And so I uh, sold that and just decided that I needed to buy the best equipment I could afford. And so it was a toss up uh, between a couple of guns and I decided to go with Kohler. And my first Kohler was a low pro, uh, combo uh shot that gun great um thought well if i shoot this gun great i should be able to get a, a high because that's all the trap shooters shoot is a big rib gun so i uh, i got the ta max and i've been shooting that since 2012 i think or maybe between 2012 2014 i think um and like tina and i both uh went to winning at the same time and got fit 
Uh, so I, I still shoot it, but I, I have 11 ounces of mercury in the stock just for, just to keep, it, it's not about balance for me. It's just to keep the wear and tear off of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to, eventually I will get fit for a recoil system, much like what Tina's getting. I was going to say, we've never had, the thing about those guns, more than anything, is they've never failed us. We've never had a failure ever. They've, they're just, they're so strong. You know, that's just something for people if they're looking for a gun. Have you guys, have you guys ever had the opportunity to go uh, to like tour the, the fat where they're built and everything yet? No, no, we haven't. Uh, just, it just has never fit into the schedule. I was hoping I believe the Wisconsin State shoot, which I'm not sure, used to be over there closer to Racine, but I don't remember if I'm speaking of I was hoping that we could get over there uh, just to go see it. I hear it is an amazing place. From Have you seen it? I, I have not, but everybody that I have talked to that has gone said it, it's worth it's worth spending a day there just to see like each little process of what goes into it. I mean, it truly is probably amazing. Could you guys go into um, what chokes are you guys using for each discipline? Um, kind of what your setups are. Um, we can talk about ammo as well. What ammo you're using? I see your Remington shirt. So I'm, just, you know, you're on Team Remington. Um, if you guys go go into that a little bit. Uh, yeah. So Tina and I both shoot uh, the same the same chokes for everything. We both shoot a 30 thousandths full for a singleton handicap. So a light full. And then we shoot a 15 and a 25, 15 being for the uh, first shot doubles and a 25 for the second shot. Uh, Tina's uh, configuration is a, so we got her a 30, she went from a 34 unsingle to a 32 top single. Uh, it seems to really has really helped her. Uh, and then she also she has 30 inch doubles and I shoot a 34 32 combo and my her gun is a 740 bore and mine is a 750 gotcha uh, we, I, we both shoot uh, STS uh, the STS uh, light 1145 uh, seven and a halfs or eights for singles and doubles and we both shoot uh, the nitros in seven and a halfs for um, for handicap. Gotcha. Uh, are you guys both two-eyed shooters, one-eyed shooters? I am a one-eyed shooter, and I've tried the two-eyed shooter thing, and it's, I just can't get it down. So I need I need to be a two-eyed, but I am one-eyed. I, I shoot with both eyes open, but I, sometimes it, you won't know it because I can't. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough sometimes. Uh, Tina supports me a lot with my vision problems with being colorblind and i know i'm not the only shooter out there but it's uh it's tough and i know the glass companies are doing the best they can to try to help us it's just uh, you know the shade of red works for me doesn't work for another colorblind individual and it's it's so hard because there's such a large spectrum of it you know of the degree of blindness and and it i just sometimes i just see movement and you know, she is like, how do you not see that? And I'm like, it's not there. <laughs> I don't say it that way anymore. At first, once I, 
I won't even go into it, but once I painted my nails pink and he thought they were gray, so I'm not even doing color with him. But if TJ could campaign for one thing, he would be campaigning for all black Target. Yeah. Oh yeah, awesome. it's always weird for me because like the first thing I want to ask somebody when they when they say they're colorblind, and I well, what color do you see? And it's like, you know, what, I mean, a, I mean, a color that could be green to me. I mean, yeah. you might not know what green it. You know, yeah. no, he does not. And he, I pointed out a color I wanted on the house today, and he thought it was. I think you thought it was. It, it was green. Green. It's like forget it. I'm not even going to have this talk. I'd have lost. I'd have lost three or four paychecks on that being green. Let me tell you. It's our toothbrushes sit in the same cup, and she has a green one, and I have a red one, and I every morning I have to hold them up next to each other to make sure which one's mine. And he and, you, and the funny thing about TJ is we used to compete for seeing locating when we're hunting deer or you know it would be a point system when we're driving down the road i spot him first i get a point well i'm way behind because he we consider him cheating because he is colorblind because he sees everything in shades yeah so it's like a picture that he can just see the deer in there where i feel like he's cheating so i don't play with him anymore it's almost like a like an infrared like sensor that he has yeah yeah <laughs> He's very good at it. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, people out there have shot silhouettes, right, with a pistol or a rifle of, of, of a shape. And it's not really a color. It is, well, I'd say it's light contrast on them. It's a, you know, but they, uh, it's more of a shape. It, it's really just a shape uh, that stands out there. I, it, I don't know. And sometimes it's, it's a blessing. I, you know, my... My grandfather used to tell me all the time that they used colorblind bombardiers in World War II because they could see the gun emplacements under the camo netting where a person who wasn't colorblind couldn't see it. Yeah, absolutely. What's your guys' um, setup for this target year? Uh, what shoots are you going to be hitting um, here coming up? And then are you going to be um, pulling a camper or Airbnb in or – uh, well, we plan, we are heading, uh, we're going to leave next Tuesday for the Wyoming state shoot. And uh, we will be there, uh, through that. And then we will come back, I think for two weeks, uh, we'll bring our little enclosed trailer that we left there. We'll come back here and for two weeks, roughly. And then we will fly out to the Wisconsin state shoot. And then we'll be home for two weeks and go to the grand. And we have been, entertaining the idea of going to the uh, heartland grand in in iowa or maybe the cardinal classic i don't know but it's all we're kind of getting down to the end of the vacation count for the year so it gets a little, a little tough <laughs> yeah absolutely i I've, i'm interviewing for a, a new job and my current job has it's kind of unlimited, but it's not unlimited just because I work from home. Um, but the new job is not going to be working from home. And they were like, oh, for your first year, you get 19 PTO days. And I'm like, I did like a triple look. I'm like, are you sure it's 19? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's a lot of days. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm fortunate that I earn. we both earn so much at Paycheck. And as you've been there longer, you get more hours. Yeah. So it helps us because then you're never just like on a flat number. 
So, yeah, absolutely. You can kind of roll over as well too. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you if you happen to have any saved up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> traps, trap shooters that work don't have any PL. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like you're trying to like, hey man, can you give me? Do you have any? Do you have two extra days I can use? <laughs> <laughs> We're already talking retirement. It's like I can't wait till we retire. We we even we're even looking at getting land you know, in like Kansas or Wyoming, just to yeah. start building so that when we retire, we can be next to trap shooting, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. If to Mecca do almost. <laughs> well, we lose a lot of time traveling, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And the amount of shoots we could go to, we literally have to pick exactly what we can do to make it count. And if, it's a, if you have the flu that weekend, you kind of just lost everything on that one gamble. So, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, if you're if you're if, if you're trying to make the mm-hmm. the All-American teams, it's what you have to have seven right. shoots. Yeah, and we literally pick them and then that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like one bad shoot. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we fortunately we've been able to have a few call shoots in there that we but it's uh, it, it's getting tougher. You know, and I, we just want to retire. That's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> when is retirement? Do you, is there any date in sight? I say seven years, seven to nine. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we're projecting. Hey, you know, sooner the numbers come in right on the card and on the ticket. So. We stay on the hopeful side. Maybe we'll win the lottery. So even though I say seven, I'm like, eh, or sooner if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, maybe two and a half or three. It'd be yeah. even better. Yeah, we're fortunate though to be healthy and to be able to work. So I just want to, you know, acknowledge that we are lucky. Uh, do you guys have any like regular like practice routine or anything that you that you do maybe on a weekly basis or every other week or? Well, we were fortunate enough through unfortunate enough through an unfortunate event of our local club. Uh, got shut down because of lack of, of facility. So we were able to purchase uh, a trap from them. And so we live on 40 acres. And so we have the trap set up here with a, a legal a standard field. And so sometimes during the week, we will shoot 100 targets at night if we feel like it. Um, the weekends that we're not shooting could be anywhere between 200 and you know, let's say 500 to a thousand targets broke out across the three days. Um, it, it's not the same as competition level focus, but uh, I really focus a lot on ergonomics and, uh, and keeping being consistent in my body movement. The mental thing I have to figure out how to turn on, but it's that what I focus on when I'm practicing. Um, and, and I, drive him crazy that is my job (laughs) i'm out there to be the distraction so that he can work on focusing (laughs) but but on a serious note i've changed my style of shooting just looking for the best fit for me and tj's input has really helped he has to tell me five times over a year and then usually the following year the sixth time i'll do something and i'll be that's what he meant. And I'm finding that that happens quite often. And so I'm taking in everything he says and then really just trying to 
to continually find the best position and like he said, be consistent. And that is, that's what I'm working on now. I think I've found how I want to stand. I found how I want to mount and I'm really working on what he just said he does. And that is consistency. And I, you know, I've looked at him for years when he mounts his gun, he is like, he's like a statue it's consistently the same way the same everything he never changes or deviates from it and he he'll know that why he missed a target and it'll be just because he didn't wait and that's you know i'm talking for him but i take it in so it's really in my mind because what he says about himself i use for my own education more than him telling me what to do <laughs> listen to what he does <laughs> i think uh like one of the first things that people want to do you, you mentioned being consistent they'll be consistent for maybe a shoot or two shoots and then maybe the third shoot comes up and they they fall they fall off a little bit and then the first thing they want to do is change their stance or change their gun and, and, and i'm guilty of that too so it's just like I mean, if it, if it works, I mean, you just got to, like you said, it's just consistent. Keep your consistency. The scores will follow. Um, don't go changing just because you shoot one bad round. Well, we went to the Utah State shoot, and before we left, I believed that I needed my gun changed. And he finally said, all right, and he changed it, and I shot it at home, and I was golden. I got there, and I shot but I was bent on keeping it that way. And finally, after noticing two singles, and this is not, I'm not, this is not working. I looked at him and go, can you change it? He goes, it's the last time I'm going to change it. And because from here on, you can change it. And then you, you know, I'll be my own blame. <laughs> you know, so anyway, I changed it back and I had huge success. So I'm. What did you change? Was it a, was it a rib adjustment or a comb adjustment? My comb, my comb. <laughs> she, she wanted it higher, I believe. Uh -huh. Or I'm sorry, excuse me. She wanted it lower. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, whatever you want, you you get. You know, I mean, she's been shooting long enough to understand the feel of what it's supposed to be right. And I try to explain to her that it's going to change some things that she. So she needs to change how she's going to acquire and engage the target. Well, it took that little bit of time. She said, all right, just put it back. And I said, I just want you to know that here's the screwdriver and here's the washers and they're in your case. So you just take care of it. Yeah. And I know, I, I know how to do those things, you know, for the listeners out there. My husband is just very good at doing it for me. And he's just a very, he's a gentleman. And yes, I can do it myself. But if I talk about it, he's always willing to do it. And so I don't fight that. Yeah, so. why not? <laughs> uh -huh. But unfortunately, he'll tell you, but then he becomes the scapegoat. Yeah, because it, 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 if he does it, it's his fault. <laughs> many, many times I've said, oops. <laughs> oops. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know, consistency is, is huge, and I try to explain it to – and there isn't a lot of people asking me for advice or anything, but I, I, I came across this on myself – uh, you know, I'm okay with shooting an 85 all the time because then I know I'm consistent. Uh, if I'm shooting an 85 all the time, then I, I can figure out how to gain two targets and then two targets will hopefully become four. And then now we're getting up to where we are changing classes and we are, 
moving up the chain where we want to be. I, I don't have the the greatest singles average or doubles average. I consider it solid, uh, consistent, and you know if people don't understand that a fluctuation in there of a target here or there is is acceptable. But what you have to do is be consistent in what you're doing. So then it will go up instead of going from an 85 to a 95 and then falling back down to 85 and suffering through that disappointment. Uh, it, I think it's better to go from an 85 to an 87 to an 89, 90 and on, so on, up forth in, in whatever of the disciplines you're using or working on, because then you know that what you're doing is working. Oh, absolutely. Now you you mentioned you mentioned doubles. Um, TJ, can you give some advice for shooting doubles? Like, what would what would be your advice to someone who maybe a, a, you know a C or D class shooter to kind of help them get to that next level? Maybe the you know A class. So, uh, you know, I see a lot of new shooters shooting doubles, and I I think that people don't understand that or realize that after the first shot, they're letting the gun run them instead of them running the gun. And what I mean by that is, you know, you shoot the first target and then your head kind of comes off the gun uh, or you let the recoil push yourself back further and you don't get back forward before you engage the second target. Um, you know, it, it's you setting yourself up for the, for the toughest target position-wise and coming back for the first target, uh, you, you just need to make sure that everything stays the same. Um, when I shoot, I keep my elbows up high because that makes me turn at the waist. Now, I'm not driving the gun. It's not coming away from me. That's a personal thing that I picked up. Uh, it, it may not work for somebody else. But the fact is, is that you need to just need to be in charge and make sure that you shoot the gun and the gun isn't running you. Awesome. I think that's, that's some really good advice there. Tino, do you, would you like to give some singles advice? How would you, uh, what would you recommend for a single shooter? So, well, I just want you to know that I didn't like singles forever. So it took me a long time to actually want to shoot them. And TJ would always tell me, you're just getting target time. But, um, TJ is really the guru on singles, believe it or not. I I listen and, and watch him quite often. And I think the biggest thing is just making sure I hold still and see the target. I mean, we use the word see a lot in trap shooting, but I think that what I've grasped from, t from listening to my husband for him telling me constantly that I'm moving is that I'm just not allowing myself to lock on the target. And, and having me, the gun, and the target all just be together, just by, like, almost super hyper-focused on it. That would be my only, that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, why didn't you like shooting singles uh, before? You know, when I first started, <laughs> no, I don't, I think, it, I don't know why. I just... I, you know, I do know why. I'm going to take that back. Because in singles, if you don't get hundred or 99 even it's like you're just out there and i'm even doing it i drop my shoulders it's kind of like oh and when you're a beginner shooter you just kind of want to 
you want to win something. Well, when I was a beginner shooter, an 80 to me was amazing, but that was nowhere near getting a trophy. And I just wanted a buckle from somewhere. So, so I would shoot handicap and I won my first buckle from the, the Mose Lake Gun Club. It's a beautiful buckle. I still wear it today. It's my prize buckle. And it was handicap. And so I like handicap because I had a chance. That That's really why. That's why I, I, I would say on a juvenile level, that's what it was. No, I mean, no, that that makes perfect sense because I know there's plenty of folks and I'm guilty as well, too. It's like if you miss one on the first box, you're just like, well, I got, you know, at least 75 and 175 left. But you could use that time to kind of focus and, you know, practice on what you need to do for the for future events. You know, don't don't just, you know, mark it off for, oh, this one's this one's gone. I can't learn anything, you know. That was a maturity that has come. I will tell you that that it is true. That is the, the background to it would be that you're not, I'm not going to win. And that's an immature thought. But the maturity was, now I'm going to work on these skills. I'm going to work on focusing. I'm going to work on making sure that I'm doing everything exactly the same and using that to grow. And um, Kansas was my first 100 in singles. I got 99, 98, 97, but I've never gotten 100. And it was because I was sharpening exactly what you just said, sharpening, working on consistently doing the same thing, even if the score wasn't going to be good. Eventually, it's like TJ said, the consistent 99, 98, 97s it turned into a 100. So when he talks consistent, that's exactly what he's focusing on is, you know, you just keep working the job and eventually it will prevail. So anyway, was that just that was that just recently, like this like a couple of weeks ago, Kansas State shoot? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Did, Congratulations. I was a little crybaby. <laughs> I just felt so joyful and so lucky and so blessed. And what was uh, what was going through your mind on that when you walked to the last post? That I had missed one before. Yeah, I think it's the story most trap shooters have before they get their first hundred. Is you, you know, you're that ninety nine's been there before, and you're just like, don't think I. I was singing the national anthem in my head to keep me from thinking about all the spin outs that could happen. So I was literally singing in my head and just telling myself, if I do what I'm supposed to do, it's I'll be fine. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do. And and I was singing the song, so I wasn't thinking don't miss, which is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And, that, and yeah, that was it. That was the only difference. Before, I'd never done that. I usually start thinking, don't let, it, don't let one get past you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm guilty of that, too. I broke my first 100 straight last weekend, and I've been shooting, like, off and on since 01. I took an 11-year break, so really it's – like nine or 10 years of shooting, just not consistently. Yeah. And then I picked it up last year. Well, I've gone through four different guns and I finally have the gun that I'm just like, it, it's, it's my, it was my dream gun. And it, I was, I was able to get it at a very good price. And so I said yes to it. And <laughs> I've, I have broken 98, 99, like numerous 99s. And it's just like on the last post, I was, I was like, dude, like, you're not going to mess this up. Like I, in my head, I had, um, I had Janice Joplin running through my head, like just, just, just on repeat. Like, 
And then I, on the on the last target, I was like, because uh, I have a I have a bad habit of like picking my head up a little bit, and I'll, I'll let one get away that way. And I was like, I'm not moving my head until I see it a smoke ball. Like I'm not, you know. And and everything went fine. And I was like an 800 pound gorilla just like jumped off my back. Like, <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. Well, that it, that vision, that visualization is so big, right? Where, you know, what you, you know what you have to do and you're almost like putting it out there and it's the positive way to go. So that would be the tip is not to allow ourselves to think about what could go wrong, but what we need to do to make it happen. And anyway, that. I'm hoping to do another one, but I'm trying not to set myself up. I'm already studying it. It's like, nope, I'm just going to Well, I already feel like it's it, the next one's going to be so much easier because I've already done it once. So it's like it's like your first 25. It's like it, it was a big deal the first couple of times, but then now it's just like, yeah. well, I want to get right, more than that. You know? You're right. And my husband always says that he talks process. You know, you just do the process. The outcome is going to be what it is. But if you do the process, you know, you've done your job. I mean. Yep. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, I know thank you. Really yeah, it was- <laughs> <laughs> do you got, do you have any superstitions when you're shooting? Like some people have to put the shell in a certain way. Um, Shelby Skaggs, she counts the shit, like the empty holes on the ground. Oh, oh. I have none. I have zero. I, I, I'm not really, I wasn't going to say superstitious, but it, so, uh, one thing that people always ask me, uh, back in the day, I was shooting a buddy shoot with, uh, up at the, one of the local clubs. And I think we were in FFA and we we're in a buddy shoot and then you got to draw your buddy. Well, I happen to know this kid and I, his dad is probably one of the top shooters in our state. And of course this is 30 years ago now. But he was loading his shells in his in his TM1, and I and I'm, I'm shooting my pump gun, and I look over at him, and he's turning the shells so all the letters and the numbers are right side up. And I said, Justin, what in the world are you doing? He goes, Oh, the shells don't work if you got them in there upside down. So, <laughs> so now, of course, it's in my head. So, and now it's just become part of it, and I, I use it more as a which it may be a negative thing. I don't know, but I use it more as a distraction for myself to kind of let the time go by to where I'm not just focused. So then I have, might have that extra bit of energy of focus when it's my turn to shoot. Um, so I kind of just, you know, I catch my shell and I, and I put it in there. I turn it the right way. Um, superstitions. If my hat doesn't fit right, I'm getting another hat. You know, I, it just, it's not a, it's got to like almost become welded in one, you know, a shoe, socks, all that. I know it's kind of goofy, but you know, uh, that's about it. I just, I want it all to feel great when I put it on and have it fit great. And so then I don't think about it. That's your process though. Like with the shell, it's like, that's just part of your routine, like doing the same thing every time. Yeah. 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 You know, I, if I say a person's shooting in front of me or two people in front of me, I always just load my gun and I close it. And usually by two people in front of me, I'm ready to shoot again, but I've taken those first two people out. Um, so, but if they have a broken target or something, I will reset my clock. I'll open my gun, set it down 
and I will wait till they shoot, then I will close my gun and the next guy and then myself. You know, anytime there's a break in, and I'm not a rhythm shooter, I only shoot when I'm ready. Um, but if there's a anything I need to do, I have to reset it. It's a, you know, it's kind of like call and pull and knowing that you didn't move, but you didn't get a target. And then now when you go to pull, call pull again, your stopwatch is already about to last. Mm-hmm. So you're going to jump or flinch. I mean, that's me. I'm, there are much people out there that are stronger than I am in that region, but that is what I have to do. It's, I just kind of reset the clock. Sure. Now, do you guys have a favorite place to shoot? Like if you had to, if you had to pick somewhere to, to go shoot, where, where, where would it be? Uh, right now it would be Kansas for me. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> well, we <do> love, <laughs> yeah, but we do love Kansas. Uh, they run a great shoot, but, but so does Wisconsin. So does Torrington. I, I could go on. Actually, we have no complaints about anywhere. Huh? No, our, our biggest struggle is, and it usually comes from me is from background and being able to see, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's no different than trying to control mother nature. I'm, I am more than happy to go there knowing that I'm going to struggle just to support them. It, it, it is it's that big to us, you know, knowing that we're not going to, if we really get after it, we can have some success, but knowing it's going to be, you know, everybody has that moment or that spot that they like that fits them the best. Um, Torrington, Wyoming was probably the first time we went there, which would be, three years ago now, uh, or the last time the state shoot was in Torrington, it's probably the best shoot that I've ever had um, for myself. And, you know, I can't wait to go back. Hopefully the weather holds out and it's all great. Uh, like she said, love Kansas. The effort that everybody puts out there is, is second to none. Um, all the volunteers and everybody that work this game across from coast to coast and North to South is, uh, is amazing. You know, there's a lot of volunteer work out there and, and I'm glad to know every one of them. Yeah. I mean, people put a ton of hours in, I mean, they're not, they're not getting paid for it. It's just for the betterment for, for the, for the sport. And then to allow folks, you know, to go shoot and have a good time and, you know, just kind of spend time doing what they love to do. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big deal. I, I, I think our biggest struggle would be if we had one struggle with TJ's color blindness would be Arizona. And it's a lot like this area because the target's kind of straw colored. So if you have a field or dimming in the light, it, for him, it all becomes one color. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a black ring on that target. That's the only thing he can see, you know, or if it's, a, you know, black and going away, it's harder for him. He needs... I'm speaking for him, but I, I know this because we talk. But <laughs> um, that, that would be the, the struggles would be like he said, environment. I've never sh- I've never shot an all black target, but I would like to try it. You know, at least once. I've shot an all white target at night, but um, shooting an all black target would be pretty cool. I think. Well, that's a perfect example. Could you imagine? I think that's a good example. A dark night, the black wing goes away for him. That's why he yeah. says if he has to do shoot off in the dark, now he's just looking for glimmer for some type, something to just shimmer in the yeah. light, you know? So yeah, for us, the black wing during the day and for him, for sure, you know, unless there's a burnt backfield or something. Yeah, it's different. It's it just, it, but it, you know, it doesn't dampen our spirits any. You know, it, it, we 
shooting the down. We don't, we're not average protectors. We shoot in the downpouring rain. We shoot in the, you know, 40 yeah. mile an hour winds and yeah. because we love it. I mean, we know it's going to be a tough day and, but you know, we're going to tough it out. With yeah. We are better definitely than not at home. But yeah, yeah, that's how we feel. You can judge us for our averages, but we will shoot anywhere. I mean, we will have to shoot. It's okay. Now, in your guys' opinion, how can shooters or maybe some organizations help grow the sport of trap shooting? Well, I have a not. I have a, a maybe a different opinion of of the game. Um, I love the youth that we see, especially the further east we get. Um, I would think that. Uh, you know, there's there's such a big focus, and it's I, maybe available. People don't feel like it's available to them. There maybe there's some stage fright that we need to figure out how to get um, people of a more mature age out there that maybe have never experienced it. I mean, a lot of people know people that have shot skeet and have never shot trap. Uh, you know, there's there's a huge uh, void there. Uh, and I really think it comes down to stage fright. People don't, they're, they're not comfortable. Uh, I don't know how to make that better for those people. Um, I think for me, it was easy because I started doing it when I was young. I think it was a little different experience for Tina because she was older. Yeah. And I would speak it as a, as a lady going into it, um, kind of what TJ saying is it would have taken one mean person to just, I'm really very, my, I went my heart outside of my body. So you could very easily pierce it. And when I went there and I didn't get that, I got just such support and patience that it, it made it, it allowed me to be vulnerable and to learn in a vulnerable world and not to feel like I was holding somebody up or, you know, and I think that we all, we, every trap shooter, if they want this to continue to grow, then you have to be patient with other trap shooters because every time we react to a trap shooter in a negative way, we are losing a number that supports trap shooting and we are partly responsible for doing that. So it is always our goal to be patient and maybe there's somebody on your squad that just does not work with you in a way that helps you be a better shooter and you become impatient, but it's to remind yourself they're out there paying and we, we want to keep the, the, the trap shooting world growing. So we just have to figure that out individually. Absolutely. I think there's, there's, you know, I would say this doesn't happen very often, but it is out there where like, you know, a person might take a little bit longer to call it for a target. And then, it, you know, they'll, then that person will blame that new shooter on them missing because they were taking too long. It's like that person paid for the target, just like you did. They might be newer. Maybe that's their process, mm -hmm. but an extra two or three seconds for them to call for the target. I mean, that's not, that that's yeah. a you problem. That's not, that's not their fault that, you know, Absolutely. that it is, it is I can, I can be shooting and somebody's call could be throwing my, this is kind of there's a funny story behind it, but I won't go into it because it's very personal. And but somebody can be throwing a target, my target, and I get so in tune to them calling 
that I've taken myself totally out of the game and my I will start missing targets on my own because I've allowed myself back to discipline to get caught up on a really loud pull on the other build, throwing a target here and there is not the issue usually it's because i'm in tune to them calling and i'm getting frustrated and um, to immaturity right (laughs) you've taken all your attention from from what you want to do and Mm -hmm. you're watching kind of what they're doing trap shooting is such a analogy for life oh yeah i mean when you really think about it when you when you're trap shooting and you start looking at your personality and your character, it's right there in that moment. If you take a target that you know you didn't get, that is a character issue, you know, and that and that probably follows you outside of trap shooting. If you have to work really hard because you have a disability, you're out there shooting, you're a strong person. I mean, that's amazing when people have disabilities and they're, they're putting themselves out in a vulnerable state and then you can't help but think that's a Superman. No matter what their score is, they are Superman. So I think of trap shooting is one of those things that we could all look at. And our character is shaped there, it, right there in that moment. So, uh, yeah, I blame myself when that happens. And back to what we're talking about, which is growing the, the trap world. It, it's all of our responsibility and we can't blame other people. So. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the disability and there's a guy that I shoot with here at, at, a, at a local club he has one arm and he like, he kind of just props it on like his like shoulder area and he will outshoot you any day of the week. I mean, he, I mean, Amazing. I don't know how he does it. It's, it's, it's astonishing. Even more so the mindset yeah. to, to want to, to continue to put yourself out there, you know, where you, you know, if you're all, if you have all your limbs and you have your eyes and you're still complaining well, I imagine that there's not too much that can disrupt you in your personal life either because, <laughs> I mean, you have everything. I always wake up every day and I always think I have my arms and my legs. So it is something to be grateful for. Sure. And, you know, Superman Superman shoots with one arm. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, what would be your, you know, long-term or future goals either within the sport or outside of the sport that you would like to achieve? Uh, my long-term future goal is to consistently, um, I don't want to use the word get better, but I want to say shape, shape my mindset to continue to get my brain muscle to work so that I can be successful at whatever it is on the trap field that I'm trying to achieve. It, I just don't like my mind having a weak moment. If I don't feel good, I don't want that to be the reason why I'm not doing my process. So that that's my future goals too. If I'm stepping out there, I'm bringing all of it in, in, in whatever that is. And that, that's been my, my, my whole, my whole goal this year is to be strong mentally and to not let the guy that's calling loud bug me. <laughs> 110% every time you go out there. Yeah. 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 Mentally to make sure I, that I'm doing my, that I'm doing just my job. I don't care what the end result will be as long as I did my job. Yep. So TJ. Absolutely. I, I have, you know, I mean, I have a goal of, you know, obviously everybody has the end goal of a ring or, or any of that. I, I don't know. 
I'm much like her, my focus, my, my mind, I would like to find a way to just make it a light switch where I can turn it on and off, you know, that way I'm not wasting it when I don't need it and can't find it when I do. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last couple of years, like she said, since COVID have been such an eye-opening positive experience for us because we were quite frankly comfortable in our Pacific Northwest world of shooting. And it's a blessing. I'm probably, we're probably the only two people that bless, thank, are thankful for COVID in some weird way. <laughs> not for the, we're not thankful not for, for it, but for what it caused. It, 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 I, I just, I, I am grateful, but my goal is to know that I can be competitive at any time in any event. <laughs> And the reason why and I'm going back to what TJ just said, the COVID part of that, so our listeners understand, COVID allowed us to travel. We would not have got out of our comfort zone of our, you know, showing up at a shoot and there's 30 shooters. That was just normal for us, 30, maybe 30 shooters and maybe four shoots a year. You could, you know, and you didn't have to travel more than 100 miles. Um We, we didn't have any of that in Washington State and we we're like, we want to go shoot. So we ventured out that for what we share with everybody we meet. And I think I said this when we opened this and that is that it is refreshing to see the love and the amount of people still shooting because it's like going from light to, to even lighter. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, last question here for you guys. And I'll, I'll let you guys enjoy your Friday evening. Um, go ahead and give a shout out to anyone you'd like, whether it be, you know, folks that have kind of helped you along, uh, friends, um, sponsors, that sort of stuff. My shout out is to my husband. And it's because he is very patient and he loves trap shooting. And um, he makes it possible for me to be able to do what I love. So my shout out is to him and his 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 energy. And to everybody that makes every shoot possible, thank you to them. I would like to thank Remington, um, Kohler Arms. Um, appreciate everything that they have done for us. Um, and along with the passion of the game, uh, I base a lot of my things on experience. And I want to thank everybody that's ever given me a piece of advice to help me. And I want to thank everybody and anybody, regardless of its practice, a small league shoot or the Grand American for throwing those targets for me to give me that experience. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, best of luck with your shooting this year. I can't wait to follow along. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Have a good day and hope to meet you in person. That's a wrap on this episode of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Huge shout out to my sponsors, Fioki USA, Diamond 8 Leather, Michael Gooch, Herod Insurance Agency, Shamrock Sporting Arms, and AJ Supplies. Be sure to reach out to AJ Supplies for all your reloading needs by calling 419-583-7133. Thank you all for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. See you all out on the trap line.